Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Jason. If you've never seen me before, uh, I'm a guest here at Center Street today. I was at the service last night and then this morning, and the team asked if I could stick around and be part of the service here tonight, and I jumped on the opportunity. They just explained that there's this kind of gathering of young people and those who are young at heart. Where are my young at hearts? Shout out to the young at hearts. Guys, I'm 30. There is a, there's, recently I was speaking at my, my youth group, my home church. I said, you know, for us in our generation, they looked at me like, no, <laughs> no, not our. You got to change your pronouns, you know? Uh, but shout out to all the young at hearts here. Um, man, we're so excited to be uh, gathering here tonight and to be able to be a guest speaking and to lead in a time of prayer. I just want to give a short message um, this evening, and then there's lots more worship and a time for baptisms to come. I want to speak on the theme of perseverance. I want to speak on the theme of perseverance. And um, the verse I want to look at is in Galatians chapter 6, and I want to look at verses 7 to 9. And um, if we have it, can we put it up on the screen? I don't know if they have it prepped at the back. Let's read this together. I'll read it, but we just follow along. It says this. It says, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And then it says this. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll re- we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me l- read that last bit one more time. It says this, let us not become weary. Don't give up. Don't stop. It's saying persevere in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to speak tonight on the theme of perseverance. Now, I love that it's Canada Day. Uh, I love being Canadian. I'm passionate about being Canadian. I grew up in a town in Canada called Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. And Port Coquitlam is famous for one specific reason. Do you know why? Why is Port Coquitlam famous? Somebody was born and raised in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. Do you know who it is? Terry Fox. Now, if I think about perseverance, you know who comes to mind? Terry Fox. What a great Canadian hero. The high school that I went to is called Terry Fox Secondary School. It used to be called Poco High. That's the high school that Terry Fox went to. And then when he graduated and went on to, and he got cancer and his leg was amputated, and then he began to run um, to raise money and awareness for cancer research. I mean, this whole incredible story of Terry Fox. I've been immersed in it my whole life. And growing up, like many of you, I did the Terry Fox run. For those of you that don't know the story of Terry Fox, as I was just saying, he, he, he had cancer and so he had to amputate his leg. And now prosthetics are so uh, advanced, but I remember seeing the prosthetic leg that he had at the library in Port Coquitlam. And it's just not what we have today. And um, he decided that he would run a marathon every day as he ran across Canada to bring awareness to cancer and cancer research. And now if you've watched the videos of Terry Fox, um, a lot of the videos, there's tons of crowds everywhere. There's tons of crowds everywhere. And people are cheering him on. But my favorite footage of Terry Fox, if you watch a documentary or you've seen bits and pieces of his story, my favorite footage 
are the scenes of him in the evening when it's raining, and it's just him alone down a long street somewhere in the middle of Canada. And then there's his buddy, a Christian guy, a friend of his who followed him the whole way in the van that they would sleep in at night. Just him running by himself, lit by the headlights of his friend in the van behind him. And that really is this powerful picture of perseverance. Perseverance isn't always when everybody's cheering and everything is going good. That's not perseverance. Perseverance is when things get hard, you know? Perseverance is when it's challenging, keeping on going. The the definition of perseverance is like carrying on in the same direction, keeping with something in the face of challenges and setbacks. It's that carrying on even when it gets difficult. And uh, I remember uh, a lot of years ago doing the Terry Fox run with some friends. I wanted to do the one on the weekend. And uh, it was a 10-kilometer Terry Fox run. I was in grade 12, and me and my friends, we dressed up. We even wore headbands and everything. We lined up in the front, and I remember the, the, it, was, it was electric. There were thousands of people there. They said, on your mark, get set, go. We ran. We even made the front page of the newspaper, these young guys going out to do the Terry Fox run. But by the time we got to the end of the main street, I was so out of shape and so tired that we ended up just running past my friend's house. And instead of running past it, we just ran into it and stopped running. And uh, so we only made it about one kilometer into the Terry Fox run. And uh, that, so that was not perseverance. Are you with me? Do you see what I'm saying? That is giving up. And, uh, but 10 years later, 10 years later, I did the Terry Fox run again. And uh, I wasn't in any better shape. In fact, I was probably arguably more out of shape. Um, But this time was special for me because my brother was running. And my brother has spent the last year fighting brain cancer. And what's amazing and so special, if you've ever been to like a cancer run like the Terry Fox run, is those who are survivors— they wear a red shirt. So everyone else has a black or a blue or a white shirt. But the cancer survivors, and those that are fighting cancer, they have a red shirt. And so at the same point in the run, I remember passing that same point 10 years later where I quit and gave up. But at this point in time, I saw like 50 yards out in front of me, my brother in his red shirt. And I saw this symbol in front of me of his perseverance, not just on that day, But even on that day to see my brother running and to know his story and what he was going through, it did something inside of me. It caused me to persevere. And what I found is that even though I was tired and exhausted, with that picture in front of me, I could keep going. And we finished the whole race. Kevin finished in a way better time than I did. But the whole time, and there's also the healthy competition of siblings, right? I'm like, if my brother who's fighting cancer finishes this, I can finish it as well, you know? So there's that was going inside of me. And it's interesting, this idea of perseverance. And, and, and where does perseverance fit into the Christian faith? Because I think sometimes we don't talk about the reality that Christianity takes perseverance. Now, there's nothing more full of joy and hope and life than the Christian faith. I really believe that Jesus was telling the truth when he said, I came to bring you life and life to the fullest. I believe that's entirely true, that the full life that your heart longs for is found in Jesus alone. But, but even though Christianity is full of joy and hope and life, it is anything but easy. It's not easy. And all through the New Testament, We see language like we read in Galatians. Don't give up in doing good. Other places we see, keep on running. 
Don't stop. Throw off everything that hinders. Persevere all through the New Testament. If you flip through, if you read it all in a day, it takes about 24 hours maybe to read the New Testament. You see dozens of examples of the first Christians writing letters to each other saying, don't quit. Keep on going. Why do you think the first epistle writers had to write things like that? Because it was hard. Because it is hard to follow Jesus in this world. It comes with great challenges and great setbacks. Even the scripture we're looking at, if you put it back on the screen, I think it's interesting the setup of how this shows up in this chapter. This first bit is this whole idea of, hey, don't be deceived, God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now what's going on here? This is coming out of this whole bit on the fruit of the Spirit. But what's happening is here, the, the, the writer, Paul's trying to encourage the church like, hey, if you want to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, sow to, to please the Spirit of God in your life. Don't sow to please the flesh. But they're sitting there and they're looking around and they're saying, okay, I'm sitting here trying to sow to please the Spirit. And my whole life is falling apart. For the first Christians, choosing to follow Jesus often meant rejection from your family for some of them, it meant losing their jobs, and for others, it even meant losing their life. We see for the Apostle Paul and other Christians, it came with great persecution, even physical abuse. And so they're saying, okay, I see that you're saying, so to please the Spirit, but I'm looking around, and all these people in my city, they're sowing to please the flesh, but it seems like they're getting ahead while I'm falling behind. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt like, I, God, I'm trying to obey you and honor you, but you feel like throwing in the towel, especially because it looks like everybody else is getting ahead while your world's falling apart. God, I thought that following you would mean I'd live a blessed life, but it seems like there's more challenges and setbacks. And so often, especially in our culture, addicted to comfort, we throw in the towel. As soon as things get hard and difficult, we just quit. Man, I want to obey you, but as soon as temptation comes, we give in. As soon as there's trials, we throw in the towel. And so the writer Paul is saying, I know this is how it can look, but don't give up in doing good. You've got to just see the bigger picture. Don't give up, even if you're in the midst of it right now. I just came here tonight to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on going, for at just the right time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit. One of my... I'm here today with my buddy Peter, and Peter is the youth pastor at our church and one of my best friends, and we, um, shout out Peter, overwhelming, no, 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 don't join in, it's fine, it's fine, just a few from over there, Peter. Um, we've got a really good friend named Jazzy, and uh, Jazzy just became a Christian a few years ago, and uh, one of Peter's roommates named Jaden and another one of their friends named Austin went to high school with Jazzy. And Jazzy came from a Sikh family. And um, uh, she, she met Jaden and Austin in high school. She knew they were Christians. They invited her out to church. And that began a pretty life-changing journey for her. So I asked her two questions via text. And they're a bit of a long answer, but she just explained this and articulated her faith journey so well. I wanted to read it to you in, in full. Is that okay? Um, so I said, Jazzy, can you just tell me about your experience coming to know Jesus. And this is what she said. 
She said, the number one thing that stood out to me about the message of Jesus was the fact that he loves me so much despite my past. I used to think I had to earn God's love. My past religion taught me that I had to do certain things, act a certain way, eat certain things in order for God to accept me. Christianity taught me that I had to do zero of those things to be accepted by him. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe if you grew up in church, we take this for granted. But for her, she's like, I've never heard anything like this before. I'm accepted just as I am. I'm accepted by God just as I am. And she says this, knowing that I could come to God with my baggage was a total life changer because as I came with my baggage, he transformed me. And knowing that I'm coming with my baggage and he still loves me was so crazy to think. And he says, and then learning that Christianity was a relationship and not a religion was a game changer. Like all this revelation she had as she began to hear the real message of Jesus. She said, I thought the only way to God was religion, but it's actually through relationship. And then she says this, as I understood what it meant to have a relationship with him, that helped me let go of the things like swearing and drinking and drugs and approval. I didn't let go of those things because if I didn't, God wouldn't love me as Sikhism taught me. But I let go of them because I know God loves me and wants what's best for me. How amazing is that? It's amazing. I said, yes, thank you. You're amazing. Thanks for sharing. And I said, hey, tell me about the first year of following Jesus. Because for her, choosing to follow Jesus came at a great cost. And she knew before she decided to follow Jesus that it was going to cost her. This is what she said. She said, the first year of following Jesus was both beautiful and messy. I knew following Jesus meant that there was going to be a cost, and I knew that cost was my family. And then when I actually had to tell them and was rejected, it was difficult. You see, she was, um, this meant that her parents were going to kick her out. And then a family from the church opened up their home to Jazzy, and she, she came and lived with them. And her whole world was flipped upside down. But listen to what she said. She said, it was difficult, but it was so, uppercase S, uppercase O, so worth it. I realized in that moment, it doesn't matter what obedience might cost you, because the reward in obeying is so much better. Listen to this. I lost my family for a season, but I grew closer to Jesus. And I knew one day I'd be able to use my story to help others when they go through a similar situation. My prize is Jesus for going through all I did with my family. And to me, that made it all worth it. How good is that? My prize is Jesus. She said, I was a little shook, of course, with all this happening as somebody who'd only been a Christian a year. But I chose to view it as a blessing because in hardships, we get to choose if we want to run to Jesus or away from him. I'm glad I persevered and chose to run to Jesus because as I still face trials today, although maybe not as intense as leaving my family, the spiritual discipline to run to Jesus is always there. I hope this helps. Let me know if you have any more questions or want me to elaborate on anything. I said, beautiful. You should be preaching tomorrow instead of me. Ha, 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 ha. No way. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know why God designed it this way. But in this world, following him requires perseverance. It's not a pass to the easy life. It's the best life, but it's not the easy life. In fact, for some of you, 
tonight you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you've been thinking about it and this sounds like the worst sales pitch you've ever been given. But wouldn't you rather have the honest story? But I've been thinking about it actually. Nothing in my life that's great came without a cost. In fact, the very best things in my life have cost me the most. I think about my relationship with my wife. I think about my three kids, Hudson and Mary and Millie. Nothing's cost me more tears. Nothing has cost me more sleep. Can I get an amen from a new parent here? Nothing has cost me more sleep. Nothing has cost me more money. Nothing has cost me more. And nothing is more worth it. And for some of you, you are carrying a lot in life that I can't even empathize. For you choosing to persevere and follow Jesus, it comes at a cost that no one else knows but you. And I just came to join with the voices of the New Testament to say, don't give up in doing good. For at just the right time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. You know, this idea of perseverance, it takes its shape in a lot of different parts of the Christian life. And the message tonight is short, and so I can't elaborate in, on each one of these in details, but I want to just do a flyby of some ways that perseverance shows up. Like, for example, perseverance in the face of temptation. Like when temptation comes, like, like temptation to sin, we have an opportunity to decide what our response will be. Will we give in at the first side of temptation, or will we flee temptation and resist evil? Like for me, I have a problem with cookies, and the problem is this— I eat all of them. Like, what I mean is, I, if they're in front of me, I eat all of them. And so, this is a thing I'm working on. And my wife and I, she loves to bake, and I say, babe, you can't do that anymore. Because what ends up happening is she bakes, and she even tries to hide the cookies on me. But somehow, at like one in the morning, in like a haze, I find them at the bottom of the freezer, and I love frozen cookies even more than I like them normal. And... Uh, and we wake up in the morning, and she just sees empty Ziploc bags everywhere. And I said, babe, I don't know what happened last night, but they're all gone. They're all gone. I have a—you know what? It doesn't take perseverance. Now, do you guys know this isn't—it's not just about cookies. I'm just trying to use a light example so that we don't have to have too heavy of a conversation. But can you fill in the blank with the, something that actually matters? This isn't about carbohydrates and calories. You know what I'm saying? It's a metaphor, right? But it's real. It's a problem. But it's, it's not as—anyways, I just trust, you know— you see what I'm doing here with the analogy. Um, the thing is, it's not tempting when they're not in front of me. Perseverance starts when it's right in front of you and everything inside of you wants to eat those cookies. And then you say, I'm not going to eat those cookies. Everything, especially when you consider the pressure of the people around you or if you're depressed or low and this thing becomes a source of comfort, it can be so easy to give in. And the devil comes and he lies and he tells you it's not going to cost you as much as you think it's going to cost you. It's only going to affect you, not the people around you. Do you know that sin never just affects you? It always affects the people around you. One of the biggest lies of the enemy about pornography is this just affects you. Wrong. It does not just affect you. It affects your future spouse and your kids. It contributes to a system and an economy that systemically marginalizes and abuses women. It perpetuates a, na a narrative that's toxic and corrosive to the way that you think and see even your friends. You see, it never just costs you. And the moment when everything inside of you wants to go one way, perseverance is saying, no! And here's the thing I tell myself when I'm eating all those cookies. And it's this. It's never too late to make a good decision. 
And this seems like very practical advice, but I think this is very godly advice. Because I might be five cookies deep and there's 20 left in the bag. And this is what you tell yourself. I've already had five, why not a few more? Has anyone ever told you something? What's the difference? I've always blown it. Wrong! It's not too late to make a good decision. I've already given up more than I wanted to. That's okay. It's never too late to make a good decision. And you know what? In that moment, it's not going to feel like a spiritual moment. When you persevere in the face of temptation, it's going to look like just a normal average moment when everything inside of you wants to go one way and you say, no, I'm going a different direction. What about perseverance in prayer for those in your life that don't know Jesus? Some of you moms and dads, you've been praying for your kids for years. Some of you high school students, you've got friends from school and you've been praying for them every day. And you're a year, two, three, four years deep in praying for them. And you're saying, God, are you even hearing my prayers? One of the things that God's been speaking to me over the past couple weeks is to begin to intercede and pray for my city again. In high school, I prayed so much for my city and for my high school. And I felt like God just reminding me of those, those days of prayer and that God would bring me back to an intercession for my city. But here's the wild thing. People have been praying for my city for years. People have been praying for this nation for dozens of years. 150 years we're celebrating. There's been people praying for revival in Canada for 150 years. But the church must persevere in prayer. We're not giving up. We're not throwing in a towel. Do you know what perseverance in prayer often feels like? The furthest thing from spiritual. You know what? When you're full of the Spirit and you can't help but intercede, that's not perseverance in prayer. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and everything inside you wants to pray for your friend that doesn't know Jesus, that's not persevering. That's just responding. Perseverance is God. Nothing inside of me feels like praying right now, but I'm going to pray for my son. I'm going to pray for my friend. I'm going to pray for my daughter. Don't give up praying for your son and your daughter at just the right time. At just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest. None of those prayers are lost. None of those prayers are called worthless. In fact, Revelation speaks about our intercession as an offering to the Lord, an offering of worship. We talk about perseverance in the face of temptation. We've talked about perseverance in prayer. What about perseverance in just our personal walk with Jesus? like our intimacy with God, like our devotional times. You know what? When I was dating Rachel, when Rachel and I were dating, you couldn't keep me away from her. She lived like 45 minutes from my house. I was working two jobs and I was going to school full time. I was sleeping like five, six hours a night. It was the best. And you know what? I did not struggle to drive 45 minutes to her house to spend an hour with her five nights a week. Do you want to know why? Because I had the butterflies, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, that, it wasn't persevering. It wasn't like, oh, it was effortless. But now today we've been married for nine years. And can I just be honest? I don't have the same butterflies every single day. I don't. That's, that's a young, realist guy. Just, just he's going to do great. I like that. You're going to be just fine, bro. If, you, if that clicked already, you're going to be just fine. But do you know what? When Rachel, my wife, pursues me and she messages me while I'm away about how she loves me and she goes after my heart and she cares for me and I know that the butterflies aren't there like they were when we're dating that's an even better kind of love because I know that her love isn't a fleeting emotion for me it's a resolve with her life 
And you know what? When we pursue the heart of God in intimacy and prayer and devotion, even when we don't feel like it, it is a different type of offering to the Lord. I remember hearing a Benedictine monk say one time that when he wakes up in the morning, he almost never feels like praying. And I was like, you too? (laughs) Guys, I don't know about you, but there's very few mornings I wake up and I want to pray. And this is what the Benedictine monk said. He said, all I have the energy to do is to pull up a familiar scripture. This is a guy who's devoted his whole life to prayer. He says, this is all I can do, is pull up a familiar scripture like Psalm 23, and I just begin to say it over and over again until my spirit awakens. And so he might just start by praying, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't, I don't have to be in want. The Lord's my shepherd. And just to repeat that, and for some of you, perseverance in your personal walk with Jesus is just, like guys, the biz, you're never gonna accidentally stumble into alone time with Jesus. It doesn't happen. I mean, you've gotta just, it's, it's a persevering, do you see what I'm saying? Like the Christian walk, it's not an accident. I mean, it requires perseverance. For some of you, you know, we're talking about temptation or in prayer, or we could even talk about loving our neighbor, like perseverance in loving your neighbor, like again and again and again, loving your neighbor or loving your friends or loving your family member, even when they don't reciprocate that love. It's one thing to do one good deed, but to faithfully, a day after day, try to break through the rough exterior with unending love, even though they retaliate with all kinds of hate and pushing back. Your coworker that's beside you, that you say, how's your day going? And they ignore you every day. Eventually, to say, you know what, forget about you. No, we persevere in love, right? It takes perseverance. Don't give up in doing good for at just the right time you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit. Christianity, the Christian walk, it requires perseverance. And for some of you, it's not in one of these neat, tidy categories. It's just perseverance in the face of trial. It's just the weight of life, not quitting, not quitting. I have two thoughts, and then we're going to pray. Is that all right? Two quick thoughts, and then we're going to pray. Three. Three quick thoughts. (laughs) They're quick, I promise. You guys doing okay? I love being with you guys. Stop it. A guy called Dallas Willard said this. He said, Grace... And grace means gift. And when he says grace, he means the way that we receive new life in Jesus. It's a gift. We can't earn it. He said grace, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And that distinction is really important. Grace is opposed to earning. We don't earn our right standing with God. That's why I read the whole thing from Jazzy, because she said it so well. The whole thing that changed her mind is that, that she could come to God with her brokenness. Because she knew, she had a revelation. This isn't earning. This isn't earning. She said, it was a game changer for me. And for some of you, you're not a follower of Jesus. And for others, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you need to have a revelation that it's not earning We don't earn, it's grace, it's a gift. So he says grace is not opposed to earning, but it's, so he says grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And we see that in Jazzy's story so well. The first year following Jesus, 
pushed out of her family, rejected in so many different ways, so many trials. Does that require effort? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the first thought. Second thought. Christianity is a walk, not a ladder. It's a walk, not a ladder. Can you say this after me? It's a walk, not a ladder. It's a walk, even at the back, I see you guys not talking. It's a walk, not a ladder. Let me explain. Sometimes people say it after me. They keep going with the thing. I just wanted to see if that happened or not. Um, I used to think that Christianity was a ladder. And what I mean by that is, you know, we see ourselves as sort of climbing a ladder towards God. Or like, you know, I, I became a Christian. I read my Bible. I got baptized. I've been praying. I shared my faith. I'm climbing the ladder. You know what I'm saying? Like we sometimes see faith as a ladder. And then what inevitably happens is that we mess up. We sin, or we fall short, or we don't keep our prompt. We stop praying. We yell at our spouse. We give him to temptation. And then you know what we feel like? We do? We've fallen down to the bottom of the ladder. But you say, okay, it's okay. Dust myself off. I'm going to try again. I'm not going to give up. And then you start trying to climb the ladder again. Start reading your Bible again. Start praying again. Try to clean, get giving in the offering. Support, sharing your faith, going to a conference, game, whatever it might be. Climb, climb, climb. And then what ends up happening? You mess up. You fall short. You sin. And you fall to the bottom again. And maybe you've got the courage to get up a third time. But eventually you find yourself saying, and so many of us have found ourselves in this position, where we said, you know what, I'm so tired of falling back to the bottom of this ladder that I don't even want to try again. And for some of us, we've settled for a B-class standard in our life of what it means to follow Jesus because you've grown tired. You've fallen short so many times and you feel like, man, if every single time I just fall to the bottom, what's the point? What's the point of trying to start praying every day again? What's the point of keeping the standard high in my relationship in purity? What's the point in even trying to respond to the altar call and receive prayer? What's the point if I'm just going to mess up again? But here's the thing. Christianity is not like a ladder. It's a walk. We're walking with Jesus. We're walking with him, hand in hand, walking with Jesus. And when you're on a walk with Jesus, hand in hand, and you fall, because we do fall, what happens? He picks you back up. And where are you? Are you back to the beginning of the walk? No way. You begin to pray again and you keep going and you have these revelations with God and he speaks to you and he's weeding things out. But then it happens again. You mess up. And guys, I get that this happens in my life and in your life. You will fall short. You won't keep your word. You won't always keep your promise. Compromise can sneak in. But here's the thing. The enemy wants to convince you that you're back at the bottom of the ladder, but you're not. You've just fallen along in your walk. And when you get back up, God is full of grace and mercy. When you fall on that walk and you look up to Jesus, what's the countenance on his face? The enemy wants to convince you that the countenance on God's face is an, a, a finger pointing down at you. But that's the accuser. The enemy points his finger at you. But do you know what the Bible says? That he's disarmed the accuser. What that means to me is that he's cut off the finger of the accuser and all he has is a silly little nub that he points at you. And he tries to accuse you. He tries to accuse you, but he's disarmed the accuser. He can't accuse you anymore. And the countenance on the Lord's face is an extension of love and grace. And he invites you to get back up and keep going. No one can steal from you the moments you've had with God. 
No one can steal from you the things that he's promised. No one can steal from you the things that he's done in your life. I want to encourage you, get back up. Persevere. Don't give up. Keep on walking. It's a walk, not a ladder. Final thought, and then we're going to pray. Final thought, then we're going to pray. It's this. On Thursday nights, Peter and I have been involved with um, a ministry at a place called Wagner Hills Farm. Now, Wagner Hills Farm is, um, there's two locations in Langley. We work with the, the guys' campus, but there's a girls' campus as well. Langley's the city that we're from. And uh, it's a place for guys who are coming out of addiction, who are in a, a season of recovery. It's a Christian uh, addiction treatment center. And, uh, and the guys there are wonderful, and I love spending time with them because they're so honest and real with where they're at. And uh, I've gotten to know these guys really well. And one thing that I've learned from them that I feel like we need to end with tonight is this thought, that there is a way to let go that's not giving up. That there is a letting go that's not giving up. So for them, they're on this journey and addiction has filled their lives and you know what? All of us can identify with that. Your addiction might not be the same as their addiction, but addiction and compromise has found its way into your life in all sorts of different ways. And for them, they have come to the point in their life where they've said, I can't do this on my own. I, I do not have the power to sort my life out on my own strength. So they let go. They sign up for Wagner Hills Farm. They get to the farm, they get in the program, and they let go of it all but they're at the very same time that they're letting go of trying to do it on their own strength, they're saying, I'm not giving up. A lot of these guys, they have kids, and I talk to them about their kids. They're like, man, I just want to be a good dad again. But addiction stole that from me. I'm here because I'm not giving up on the life that God's called me to. I'm not giving up, but I'm letting go. And I don't know how else to explain this, but this is the Christian walk. It is saying, God... I can't do the life you've called me to on my own strength. I'm letting go, palms open. But I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in to sin. I'm not giving in to the lie that I'm going to be just like my dad or just like my parents or just like my past. I'm not giving in to the lie that I can't take hold of the promise that God has in my life. But God, I'm not giving up, but I'm letting go. I can't do this on my own strength. And there is a shifting of our weight from depending on ourselves to depending on God. There is a, a letting go of your own will and control and power and saying, God, I need the power of your Holy Spirit and the support of your church and Christian community that comes in humility. I need that at work in my life. I'm letting go, God, but I'm not giving up. And I just wanna pray that God, for anyone here, who's in the middle of it right now, you're in the middle of perseverance, that you would find the ability to let go of trying to do it on your own strength, but not giving up and doing it in the power of God. I want to pray tonight that God would put in your heart a resolve to don't give up in doing good. For at just the right time, he's going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. Now, if you're comfortable, I just invite you just to close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I do feel like I want to give an opportunity for some sort of response. And there's going to be, there's a prayer team that will be up in just a little bit, and we're going to continue to worship. There's going to be more opportunities for prayer and response. But I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to just 
begin to speak to each one of us. And I know that there's a, a posture that this church often does in response to just hands open before the Lord. And I just think that's perfect for what we're talking about tonight. So if, if just, just where you're at in your laps, you just want to open up your hands before God and say, Holy Spirit, I'm just open to receive from you. I'm just letting go. And just invite God to begin to speak to you and maybe illuminate any areas of your life where you feel like he's calling you to persevere in his strength. So Holy Spirit, just in this moment, I just pray you just begin to speak to us right where we're at. I know there's people here tonight that are just grown tired and maybe compromise has set in. And tonight they're on the fence about whether they even want to do this whole prayer thing because they've done this before. And they're thinking it's not worth it. God, I pray that you fill their heart with hope. They would see the countenance on your face that's full of, full of grace and forgiveness. They'd hear your voice inviting us to begin again and to carry on, to carry on in good works, to carry on in love, to carry on in prayer, to carry on in obedience, to carry on in the midst of temptation. you're here tonight and um, you know there's a specific area in your life where you need to resolve, not on your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, but you need to resolve to persevere. Maybe there's been compromise or maybe there's been a sense of wanting to give up. And tonight you just want to resolve, not on your own strength, not trying to grab hold of it on your own strength, but just to resolve to lean in, to say I'm letting go, but I'm not giving up. If, there, if this is you and there's like a really clear, acute area of your life where you're saying, hey, I know this area that I need to persevere in the power of the Holy Spirit, can you just shoot up your hand? I just want to pray for you to shoot up your head wherever you're at. There's hands all over the place. We'll just keep it up for a moment. And I want to ask you to keep it up even when your arm starts to get tired. I want you to keep it up and I just want you to see that you can hold your hand up longer than your body wants to. Just hold it up for a moment. Even as your arm begins to be tired, just hold it up. Just hold it up. God, you know every single person with their hand up right now, from the youngest to the oldest. And God, you know exactly what they're going through. And God, I thank you that tonight you've highlighted an area in their life that you want to partner with them as they persevere. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your amazing grace and your love and your forgiveness. That God, there's not one lost day that you cannot redeem. There's not one lost day that he won't redeem in your life. And God, I just pray for each person with their hand up and even those that didn't raise their hand, that you in the power of your Holy Spirit would give them the power to persevere, to persevere in loving others, to persevere in the face of temptation, to persevere in following you in the midst of trials and setbacks, to persevere in their intimacy with you, to persevere in their service. God, I just pray that you would give them strength in the power of your Holy Spirit, a clarity of vision and focus, a trust in you, and the courage to carry on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.